0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you're a 415er, 415er, 415. er 415 415 you are all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more and more. Welcome. To the 415, hosted by Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. Mark Grandy. Evan Giddings, as always. Appreciate you downloading, rating, subscribing. Five stars, or even more so, appreciated. Uh, Before we dig (laughs) into all the quarterback news of the day, Mark, both in and out of San Francisco. How you doing? I'm doing well. I haven't had a good weekend.
1: Uh, Gearing up for uh, March Madness. Really getting in the basketball mode right now. But always, uh, you know, excited to talk some football with you. How are you doing?
0: I'm good because I can officially gamble. Look, this is the only (laughs) month that I allow myself (laughs) to dive deep into the degenerate hole that Mark Grandy finds himself in. Just about (laughs) it seems every single day, but. Since I don't have, number one, a ton of bread to break, uh, number two, an addictive personality, I give myself the 30 (laughs) days, 31 days in March to absolutely unleash hell upon my bank account. So I'm doing well, man. I'm ready to roll.
1: Have you placed any bets yet? Or are you waiting for the actual NCAA tournament to start?
0: Well, I usually in conference championship week, not to get too deep into the weeds, but I'll pick a team and then just simply (laughs) ride them throughout the tournament. Mm. So... Uh, when it comes to the West coast conference tournament, which has already been underway, uh, St. Mary's gets underway this, well, actually tonight. So they're taking on BYU. I will take them to cover the points. I will also take in Zaga to cover. And then I kind of got a bit of a toss up when it comes to the money line for the actual championship game. But then my team around the rest of the country, honestly, I've been, I've been only watching like a bunch of big 12 basketball, uh, Texas is the team that I like Okay, six upperclassmen okay. Mark a lot of experience so handing out some free winners here that's what we're doing
1: Now we'll try our best we'll check back next episode see if you got these right uh fingers crossed for you
0: what about you Mark but before we get into football I am curious what uh kind of tickles your goose when it comes to the gambling lines
1: um What's been fun recently is a lot of the smaller conference tournaments are going on now. They were, you know, started last week through the weekend and are and are on now. You mentioned the West Coast Conference. It's similar for like the Big South, the Colonial, a lot of other conferences. So it's been fun just finding the team that has like the one stud in that conference, like the one guy who who maybe gets an an undrafted call, you know, to the NBA but who's just miles better than everyone else in that conference and just ride him and and thereby ride his team. Uh, and that, that's been fun. Uh, I am also, uh, I'm also with you on uh, St. Mary's tonight. We're recording this on Monday. People listening on Tuesday, maybe uh, you found out that we made a bad call, but uh, I'm with you. I'm with you for St. Mary's against BYU. So we'll see how it all goes.
0: We shall see. Well, there was another, I don't want to say a small school program, but of course the quarterback for the 49ers this past year, Brock Purdy, Mm. not exactly a mid-major, but kind of an underdog, which of course March is something that I would like to say prop ups, uh, props up all underdogs uh, for the most part, but good news about The underdog in San Francisco, Brock Purdy, he is set to have his UCL surgery on Friday, of course, assuming it is not going to be the reconstructive surgery. It is going to be the repair. And the timetable at this point, Mark, with Friday, as reported by Matt Barrows, taking about six months, that would put Brock Purdy's return date, assuming everything goes well, on September 10th, which happens to be the first Sunday of the 2023 NFL season. So I know we've dug into this ad nauseum, but the fact that we finally have a date, does it at all, I guess, change the way you've been feeling over the last couple of weeks as we've tossed around potential surgery dates? Um, no, it doesn't really change much for me. It's
1: obviously it's good news or at the very least, it's not bad news that they are confident enough that the swelling has gone down enough that they are ready to perform surgery. The big thing and, and the elephant in the room during this entire process, Evan, and you mentioned, we've talked about this a lot. It is once they do actually start the procedure and they, you know, dig into Purdy's elbow to, to find that torn UCL, It is whether or not they determine if the UCL is otherwise healthy enough to support a repair instead of a full reconstruction. Again, we want to be super clear here. The expectation is the repair is what is needed and that's it and that would be the three-month timeline until Purdy can throw and the sixth month generally timeline to where he's fully cleared and ready for football and as you said that would lead you literally right up into the day most likely of the 49ers first regular season game now you know everyone recovers differently and, and it could be before it could be after who knows but if that's what they determine on Friday then this slight delay not really that big of a deal. Maybe it costs Purdy a game. Maybe it costs him two games if you're generally on the unlucky side. But still, Evan, the elephant in the room is what if they get into the elbow and they figure out that he needs total reconstruction, a.k.a. Tommy John. That's where this thing is gets bad. If he misses a game or two, obviously, it's it's not the best thing in the world, but you can survive it. It's it's not the end of the world. But if he needs Tommy John, which is the full reconstruction, which would happen if, you know, Dr. Keith Meister and, and company determines that his uh, UCL, aside from the tear, isn't healthy enough to be stitched back together. If he needs to take, uh, you know, something from a cadaver and and give him an entirely new ligament. That's where this would cost him probably the whole 2023 season. And that's where the Niners run into issues. If this whole delay still results in a repair and only costs him a game or two at the worst, Evan, it's not that big of a deal. So really I'm still in the mindset of just wait and see, you know, pray for good news on Friday coming out of Texas where Purdy is getting his surgery if it is bad news, be prepared to not have pretty all season. But if it's good news, it's a very real chance he misses minimal time, if any.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like at this point, if the surgery goes well, not that he is the day one starter, but kind of the starter in waiting, and yeah. that of course depends on how Trey Lance performs. It's just difficult for me. And I would I would love for Trey lance to get a shot, but it is difficult for me, assuming that this surgery goes well, to see him doing enough to usurp Purdy, unless Purdy comes back and his, you know, his arm doesn't look right. He's not the same quarterback. It's gonna take him more time. Um, just because now that we have an official date of when he will be at the end of his timeline after the ramp up period beyond not being able to throw for three months, I do feel like there is a little more. Uh, hope for Brock supporters at the end of the tunnel that he's just going to be ready to be kind of more, more plug and play, not week one, maybe not even week two, but that Kyle Shanahan will develop a a program for him to get him right. So that he is ready to be the starter as soon as possible. Trey Lance fills in. In the meantime, hopefully the Niners can weather the storm, pick up a win two, perhaps even three wins. But I'm with you that if there is a bigger issue at hand, that a reconstruction is the route, then we got a whole lot to talk about right now, because whether or not you believe in Trey Lance, the 49ers quarterback room is barren without Brock Purdy. And so if you believe that Trey Lance is the guy, that's great. But what we've seen over the past few years is that you, you damn sure need a backup quarterback. You need a second guy that you can depend on and at least be all right with trotting out there along with the rest of this magnificent roster to help you win games. So assuming everything goes well to me, it's Brock Purdy, starting quarterback in waiting. If not, then the Niners are going to have to make a a kind of, I don't want to say splash move in free agency for a quarterback, but they're going to need to find a guy that they can depend on. And as we've seen over the last few hours, Mark, a few of those guys are already off the table.
1: Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. That's where timing comes in here. We talked a little bit last week about Tom Brady. And I know I asked you the question, at what point does Kyle Shanahan, you know, in a world in which he wants Tom Brady, which I think is the, the world that we're currently living in, I, I think he would be fine with one year of Tom Brady. Uh, at what point does Kyle Shanahan say, okay, I'm sorry, Tom, like we need an answer now. If not, we have to move on. There's a very real timing element of this as well. Let's assume, again, it would be terribly unfortunate. and It does not seem likely. Let's assume that Purdy needs the full Tommy John reconstruction and is out at the very least for the vast majority of the 2023 season. It would be likely the entire season. They need that answer soon, which is why the fact that the surgery is scheduled for Friday is good news because on Monday of next week, the 13th of March, that's when teams are allowed by the NFL to start contacting free agents and negotiating. Nothing can become official until the 15th of March, Wednesday of next week. But there's a two-day period where before you can actually put pen to paper and make contracts official, you can verbally agree to deals with players. Again, that begins March 13th. As you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, that's less than a week away. So the 49ers very much needed an answer, Evan, before that. And they're going to get one on Friday, it seems like. Whether it's good news or whether it's bad news in this hypothetical doesn't really matter because an answer is better than no answer. At the very least, you know then what you need to do. And if Purdy is to miss the whole season, okay, then you know we got to go figure something else out with your quarterback position. Maybe Kyle Shanahan is willing to hand the reins to Trey Lance again and hope And in hopes that things go well but even if that is the decision Evan that's your only other quarterback on the roster so to your point even if you're not going out and getting someone who you expect to be the starter you still need to find at least a semi-capable backup for Trey Lance and the likelihood is that this conversation is all moot because it, it seems likely that Purdy will not need to miss the whole season but that's where the timing matters Evan because we're fast approaching the start of a free agency and if if this were to get delayed even further and the decision gets pushed down the road even further the niners not m- might not be ready to to figure out what they need until all other decent options have already been taken off the board
0: yeah it seems like if Kyle Shanahan is at the blackjack table he may not he may not have eights that he can split but he's got sixes it's not ideal huh. but he's in a situation where If that surgery goes well, then he knows that he's going to have his Brock Purdy and his Trey Lance. He's got his two sixes, and he's got to figure the rest out. If Brock Purdy is not there, then he needs to go out and find another six. And right now, Kyle Shanahan is maybe more so than any other head coach in the NFL aware that the hand you're dealt isn't always the one that you finish the season with. And so right now, there are sure a few quarterbacks out there. The biggest ones, Derek Carr, Geno Smith are moving on to, well, Geno Smith is in the same destination. Derek Carr (laughs) is moving on to new Orleans, but Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get paid based on what we've seen. Those previous two guys get, that's going to be out of the 49ers price range to me. And I know Rich Eisen was kind of turning heads from the NFL combine saying that he had heard that Tom Brady had perhaps reached out to a couple of destinations. Miami was one. The other of course was San Francisco. And then I think that's when a lot of the other quarterback rumors that started flying in from last year. The biggest one was, of course, that Phillip Rivers had reached out <laughs> to the 49ers at the tail end of 2022. I can't necessarily blame him. Uh, trying to hop on that bag and would've bandwagon would have been one that I, I would try and take advantage of. But the 49ers are in a situation where their quarterbacks are, in my opinion, for now, in a good position. On Friday, we find out if that changes and that is, of course, the news that everyone is going to be waiting for.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're on Twitter, you follow along on Twitter, just get all your, your Twitter notifications turned on for all your NFL news breakers for Friday morning and throughout the entire day of Friday. Because good news or bad news, there will be news coming down the wire. Uh, so, so just be ready for that. Uh, again, the expectation is it's just going to be a repair and he'll miss you know, the three months until he throws, six months until he's cleared. Uh, but there is still that slight chance that it could be very bad news. So, uh, you know, get your antenna up Thursday or pardon me, on Friday, because good or bad, there will be news and, and we'll certainly be ready for it.
0: Yes, we will. Right here on the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark. Hi, I'm Evan. Follow Mark on social at Mark Granny, Mark with a C, Granny with an I. Uh, you can follow me on social at gettings 10 at 415ers, wherever you download and uh, get your content from on social media. Okay, Mark, so well, we talked about the quarterbacks. The ones that were signed on Monday as the, as the, we record this episode, Derek Carr going to New Orleans, joining the NFC. He's getting $150 million over four years. That puts him annually at about 375 Geno Smith, meanwhile, signed in Seattle, and good for him, which I'll get to in a moment. Three years, 105, that puts him at 35. So before we get to Jimmy Garoppolo, I do want to say this. Congratulations for Geno Smith not writing back because someone finally wrote him a check in Seattle. That is the signature that he was looking for and has been really since he started kind of an up-and-down roller coaster of a career. As far as Derek Carr is concerned, to me, Mark, he slots in in a great position because the NFC South, as we saw last year, is up for grabs. If the Saints have a quarterback last year, they might win that division. And I'm not saying Derek Carr is the end-all, be-all of quarterbacks, but that's a guy that can absolutely help you win some games, especially if you feel like you're a quarterback away. 37 and a half is a lot to pay, but in a way, I believe the annual value of the one he signed even a year ago with Las Vegas was slightly above 40 So it came down a little bit. And I also believe that now with Derek Carr in the NFC, if you're looking at quarterbacks, we are talking a few weeks ago about how you stack up your NFC quarterback power rankings. Derek Carr might be pretty close to the top five, shockingly enough.
1: I think you can definitely make that case, which is wild. Uh, We were talking about how you like to bet on, on college basketball. This presents an interesting opportunity to maybe cash in because take the Saints to win the NFC South. I know that Derek Carr isn't an insane quarterback and doesn't change the tide of a franchise just by his presence. But I mean, the only other sure thing it looks like in that conference quarterback wise is Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. So, I mean, that seems like an easy division to win. The saints are already pretty talented around the quarterback position. They have a lot of really good players. I know there are question marks and some of them, Alvin Kamara, maybe the, the most notable one, of course, legally and contract-wise. But, uh, I mean, this is just an aside. I would maybe look at Saints 2 in the AFC South as an intriguing as an intriguing number. But you're right. Um, while Carr is taking a little bit of a pay cut, as odd as that sounds, with $37.5 million, um that's still a pretty wild number. I don't know what you were expecting, Evan. I, I think of the true free agent quarterbacks, take Aaron Rodgers out Take Tom Brady out. Um, uh, I think Derek Carr, the best free agent quarterback out there. So I think it stands to reason that he should make the most. But $37.5 million for a quarterback who has only appeared in the playoffs. I guess he's earned two playoff appearances, but really has only appeared in the playoffs once and hasn't won a playoff game. I know a lot of that is is who's around him in Oakland and Las Vegas. But that seems like a lot of money, Evan, and I guess that's just where we are in the NFL nowadays with the quarterback market. Um, and then it begs the question, well, what does that mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm not sure he's getting what Derek Carr got, but it seems very possible, Evan, that he could be looking at upwards of $30 million because we saw Derek Carr get 37 and a half. You mentioned Geno Smith, that big deal for three years, over $100 million with the Seahawks. He's getting about $35 million a year. So I think it stands to reason that Jimmy Garoppolo, at the very least, is going to get $30 million as well, which seems like an astronomical number.
0: The only reason I wouldn't think that Jimmy Garoppolo would get above $30 million is the reason why I think that Derek Carr got the bag that he did, which is he has never played less than 15 games in a single season, one of them being this last year. And the only reason that happened is because the Ownership basically told him to kick rocks. So, meanwhile, Geno Smith is coming off of a career season in which he was legitimately one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFC, no matter how you slice it. And in a lot of ways, was the reason why Seattle was able to overcome expectations set very low for them this last season. So, for me, the years that Carr got, I also don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo gets, or at least he might have to sacrifice if he wants a high annual number. If you're looking at two for 60, maybe that's how I could see Jimmy Garoppolo getting to the $30 million mark. But to me, Mark, I feel like a $25 million range is much more reasonable for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo just because he's played one season of football in his time in San Francisco in which he hasn't dealt with injury. And that's something that I can't ignore combined with the fact that there are a lot of, I'm sure questions in inner circles as to what Jimmy Garoppolo still got left in the tank. I know that statistically he was having perhaps his best season last year as the backup, but a lot of that, you could also give credit to Christian McCaffrey's emergence or the fact that the offense was playing with the number one defense on the other side of the ball. I do think there's going to be some price suppression for Jimmy Garoppolo, even though Derek Carr did get a large sum of money. The other part of that too is, If you want to acquire a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you're also going to have to acquire a guy who's getting paid $50 million a year. So to see that kind of gap between Rodgers and I guess the second best quarterback on the market, in my opinion, Derek Carr, also tells me that there could be an even larger gap between Carr and where I think Jimmy Garoppolo is if he wants more than two years.
1: You might be right. Uh, injuries are certainly a concern and, and that could perhaps suppress the dollars he gets. I do think you're right in that Garoppolo's deals will be shorter term. Uh, the the offers that he gets will be shorter term, at least specifically than Derek Carr, uh, Gino Smith three years. I think that's probably the max you'd see someone offer Jimmy Garoppolo, but it is an interesting question. And I, and I put this out as a poll on Twitter uh, it's it's still up, even if you're listening here on, on Tuesday, at Mark Grandy, Mark with a C, uh, Grandy with an I. Uh, which of these three players, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo, do you think deserves the most money to play quarterback in the NFL? And so far, the people have spoken in favor of Derek Carr, 50% of the vote. That seems right to me, Evan. Jimmy Garoppolo, though, a pretty sizable lead on Geno Smith, about 33%. And and then Gino uh, around 17%. Now, of course, this is, you know, the, the voter base that I'm reaching on Twitter or certainly a, a Niner fan base for the most part. And that certainly has an impact on this poll. But I might agree, Evan, with the results of this poll so far. I mean, I know Gino Smith had a better season, you know, this past season than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but he also doesn't have a, a track record, a record of success that Jimmy Garoppolo does. But then the, the flip side, as you mentioned, is the injury history. But I could argue, while well, Geno Smith hasn't played enough for us to really make a determination that he is able to to withstand, you know, a full season the, the rigors of an entire season, because he's really only done that once this most recent season. So, I think Geno Smith and and Jimmy Garoppolo are probably relatively comparable, um, but it all comes down to the situation as well. And and if you have a team that's desperate, um, if they were banking on something else and that plan fell through and and how do they bounce back from that uh, mistake, that issue, and if they're willing then to shell out a few more bucks to get a guy that they thought they didn't need, but now they do, it, it obviously all comes down to circumstance. But the point being, Evan Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get offered a lot of money by someone. And that means once and for all, Evan, we've talked about this a lot, but once and for all, you can put to rest the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a 49er. It's not going to happen because he's going to get a lot of money elsewhere. Uh, But I guess I'll I'll lead back into you. I think this is where I started my point. I I meant to get the question to you quicker, but how would you rank those three in terms of who deserves the most money? Because for me, it's, it's Carr. And then Garoppolo and and Gino are relatively close, but I I can't say that Gino is worth that much more money than Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Perhaps not, but the amount of years for Gino also to me screams a little more of, all right, we we do need to at least protect ourselves a little bit. We can't give this guy four or five years. Gino Smith is right in that middle mark of what a, a contract determines a franchise quarterback to be. I hear what you're saying. I also don't think your poll is as biased as you believe because let's face it, there are a lot of Jimmy detractors among San Francisco uh, 49er (laughs) fans. So the fact that they feel like Jimmy is the second guy to get paid might be also indicative of, of the truth. I personally would like Geno Smith more as a quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward just because I think that Smith has... Better days ahead of him. I know he's older and I know that there's a reason why he was a backup quarterback for a while to begin his career. But to me, what he showed last year is that he can uplift a team. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo can do that. Now, I know that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and you know Kenneth Walker, who emerged as a great running back last year, would also help him. But Geno Smith is is to me the guy that can help you win a game, as well as Derek Carr being one of those guys too. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to mess up a win, if you know what I mean. But I don't yeah. think that he's a guy that, and I think the reason why he got stuck in in sort of the 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 trade market, um, purgatory that he was last year is because to me teams view Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback that is not one to. I guess, get you over the top, but he's also not young enough that you can really build around him. So if you're paying big dollars for Jimmy Garoppolo and really there's only one destination where I could see him going at this point in the New York jets, but I think they're going to be waiting and seeing on whether they can get Aaron Rodgers. I know that Tampa Bay needs a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is certainly not one. I don't think that would want to go through being a backup again, but I think he could be stuck in that middle ground mark to where Derek Carr and Geno Smith are meet to me more projectable. Jimmy Garoppolo is more of a question mark because of his history, and, and maybe I'm in the minority, but I just feel like that's going to hurt him monetarily this summer.
1: Yeah, I, I could see it. You're, I mean, you're probably right. I the injury thing is a big deal. I just the injury also- stuff
0: combined with his obvious limitations. So it's it, it like it it Jimmy do you look at Jimmy Garoppolo as a high risk, high reward quarterback? no,
1: it's it's a lower risk, lower. you you if you're a team that has a decent roster already, you're just a. I don't know, a middle of the pack quarterback away like the Jets. I feel like make a lot of sense for Jimmy Garoppolo because they have dealt with such bad quarterback play. They have a really good young team around him, both offensively and defensively. Really, they have a lot of great skill players on offense, young skill players. They have the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. You throw Jimmy Garoppolo in there, who is comfortably what in the. 12th to 16th best quarterback in the league range, like somewhere around there, in my opinion, I I think, uh, I think that becomes a playoff team for, for the Jets. So if you're the Jets, you know, a team like that, it makes sense. A team that doesn't need MVP level quarterback play to be competitive. But if you're the Texans, which I've also seen Jimmy Garoppolo rumored, Um, because of the connection with D'Amico Ryans. I'm not so sure that makes sense, because the Texans are much more than just a decent quarterback away from competing. So I think it depends on the situation. Maybe that affects the demand for him, and then it would perhaps suppress how much money that the Jets, or maybe the Raiders, as another example, would need to give him in order to attract him, because maybe he's not getting that much demand elsewhere, Evan. But if you're a team that has good pieces around your quarterback on offense and defense, I'd make the case that Jimmy Garoppolo is the perfect quarterback for you. Not one that's going to, you know, lead your team for five, six, seven years. Of course not. But a guy who can make you competitive in the short term. Sure. Jimmy Garoppolo can still be that guy.
0: I think he can. And the reason why I asked that question is because I view Jimmy Garoppolo at this point in his career as a high risk middle reward lower to middle reward quarterback and and, and maybe yeah. that that value that you're talking about of kind of knowing what you're going to get is is something teams are willing to pay for but with the amount of suitors out there i i just i don't know to me based on what i've seen and even with the market laying out so far what other quarterbacks have been paid that there are going to be teams comfortable with giving giving jimmy garoppolo above $30 million a year because the other part of it too is just based on history. If you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, you probably also need to have a contingency plan at quarterback. And I know that you can never assume injury, but again, there've been so many examples of him going down for his fault and for others that you need to have a secondary quarterback in place. And so maybe a place like Houston is a good spot for Jimmy Garoppolo because they have a high pick. They can bring in a rookie quarterback that they can bring along at their own pace. But then if I'm Garoppolo, do I want to go to a place where hypothetically I could get beat out for that job and also not be paid for a long period of time. I I just think he gets stuck in the quarterback purgatory this off season, even though he is technically the third, maybe fourth best free agent quarterback available. And and I look, I don't think it hurts his bag in the sense that he's, he's not going to get paid, but, I just I don't think he's going to be in that Geno Smith or Derek Carr range. Even though I think those are the quarterbacks for the last two or three years, he's maybe been more closely associated with.
1: All right, quick question, and then I know we we got to move on to something else here. Let me set the over under for Jimmy Garoppolo um, average annual value, and this is you know the full scope of the contract, not just guaranteed money. Uh, over under twenty eight and a half million per year for Jimmy Garoppolo. Where do you go? What side do you sit on?
0: I would take the under. I'll take the over.
1: Well, okay. friendly wager here. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I'll take the over $28.5 million for Jimmy Garoppolo per year.
0: Gentleman's bet. Let's put it down. Like I said, Mark, <laughs> it is March. We we it is one March. This month. <laughs> uh And this is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings. Appreciate you as always tuning in. Uh, Mark, there is somewhat... I would say big free agent news for San Francisco. And that's the fact that, look, okay. We, we have speculated on McGlinchey's future. We've speculated on Jimmy Ward's future, but technically we do not know if those are free agents within the Niners price range to bring back. What we do know is that Robbie gold and perhaps one of the most consistent kickers during his time in San Francisco, especially come postseason time, plans to test free agency. And so he will be sought after to the point where the Niners decided that they do not want to, uh, you know, he's out of their price range as a kicker, as as weird as that sounds, perhaps, to some people. Uh, I I think it's kind of a big deal, Mark. I, I know that not everyone pays attention to kickers, but that's because they don't pay attention until they're gone, or they don't pay attention until they're bad. You only recognize the value of a kicker when you have a bad one. And that is what I think yeah. is more likely to happen without his service in San Francisco than if he's here, of course. Well,
1: this is really interesting because on one end you, you, you see the 49ers and their roster and everyone that's making big money. And what becomes apparent is saving a few dollars anywhere becomes really valuable and it just gives you more flexibility with making another big number fit. And obviously, there is another big number coming in with Nick Bosa. So maybe you hear this news. Uh, Robbie Gold told the ESPN's Adam Adam Schefter, also NBC Sports Bay Area, Matt Mayoko. Yeah, I'm going to be looking to kick elsewhere. I'm testing the free agent Waters. And you could see, okay, that would make sense. He probably wants to be a top five paid kicker in the NFL right now. And the top five are all making $5.5 uh or more per year. Justin Tucker is the highest paid kicker well-deserved at just a tick under $6 million in a year. So say the 49ers go out and get a younger, less proven quarterback, and they could save an okay amount of money there, and then maybe that helps them make other moves. That makes sense to me. It might still be a risk. But it makes sense. But something that um, Matt Barrows pointed out, and this is the second time we've, we've dropped Matt Barrows' name today, I was reading that he said, essentially, John Lynch at the Combine last week was asked about, you know, the kicking situation and essentially said, yeah, you know, we're here in Indy and we've got to look at some kickers. And Matt Barrows is speculating that Robbie Gold heard John Lynch say that and now is essentially playing hardball a little bit saying, all right, you're going to say that, that you're looking at other kickers when I've been here and had a ton of success over the last few years. All right. Two can play that game, John. Let me just call up Adam Schefter and say, yeah, Hey Adam, can you tell the world that I'm not going to be a Niner anymore? So Matt Barrows thinks this is all just one big negotiation tactic for Robbie gold and who knows it might be. Um, But I can still understand if it is true, Evan, Uh, because the 49ers might not be willing to make Robbie Gold a a top five paid kicker in the league because that would give them uh, more flexibility elsewhere if they weren't, you know, to do that. So I can kind of see both sides, but I wouldn't say it's a done deal that Gold is set on not returning. This could just be part of of his negotiation tactic.
0: It could be. Look, I I hope it is. Um, I, I personally think that there's also just a lot of teams out there that need kickers. Like if we're talking about team, I, I know it's not even in the same ballpark of money, but like the amount of teams that need a kicker are more than the amount of teams that need a quarterback right now. And it it just looks to me like I, I understand kind of the cat and mouse game that Robbie gold is playing. Uh, but you know, if you're San Francisco, maybe you feel confident you can go out and, and find a kicker. And there could be one that's a little more cheap. Also helping you save on the margins. Might allow you to find kind of an underpriced free agent or, you know, a, a backup, perhaps defensive lineman, someone who could replace an edge rusher like Samson Ebucom if he chooses yep. to test free agency and leave. Um, Charles Amenahue, who, you know, sort of ran into some legal troubles at the tail end of last season, might be a guy that Fortnite don't want to bring back, but they obviously would love to have someone that could step up and fill that void. Like there are places that aren't obviously big boy spots or, uh, big boy names like Nick Bosa, who is going to get paid at some point, probably later this offseason, by San Francisco, that maybe they decide that they would like to use that extra three to $4 million elsewhere. It could turn into one player. could It could turn into a couple of players. Uh, we're, we're just not sure yet, but I, I guess Mark, if I, if I had to kind of read Robbie Gold's words, I am taking him more for his word at this point than not.
1: I think it's at at the very least, it's a message to the 49ers saying, Hey, you're going to have to pay me top five money or I will go elsewhere. Like it's not, I, I refuse to return to the 49ers. The message is, you know, put up or shut up. Essentially. I, I think it's safe to assume that the question I would have Evan, and he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. He still hasn't missed a kick in the postseason. In his career, really the only high-profile miss this season I can remember was at the end of that Raiders game. What was that, week 16 or 17 in Las Vegas, where the Niners had a chance to win the game at the Horn in regulation. They ultimately win it on a Robbie Goldfield goal in overtime. That's really the, the one moment that sticks out that he missed a big kick in the last handful of years. I mean, he has been automatic. At what point, though, are you a little uncomfortable giving top five kicker money again we're talking about 5.5 million and up to a 40 year old I mean this guy's getting up there again he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down now but I'm not saying I expect it for him but he is 40 if you're the 49ers are are you willing to, to give top five money to a 40 year old I mean I know there's been a few examples of really good kickers playing well into their 40s uh, are we certain that Robbie Gold is able to keep up this level for another year or two? Is it just a one-year deal? Is it a two-year deal? I think there's a lot of things the Niners have to consider with this. And part of it is how long they believe that Robbie Gold can kick the, can, can keep this up. Because it, it's not a given, I don't think, at this age that he's going to continue to be this good.
0: Perhaps. Look, I mean, David Akers kicked until he was 39. I know he wasn't at that age, I believe, when he finished his career uh, in San Francisco. Uh, Phil Dawson's the other name that comes to mind. I think he kicked until he was 43. Although, again, he wasn't at that age when he finished in San Francisco. He was close to it. Uh, But, look, Robbie Gold in his time in San Francisco has made, I think, 87 or 88% of his kicks. He has missed, like... 10 extra points in his career. I mean, the guy's been at just about as money as you could hope for a kicker. And it's not like there's been a percentage fall off over the last few seasons. In fact, you can make an argument that last year was perhaps even his best season kicking in San Francisco. He's, he's steady Eddie. And that's something that I would want to pay for. But again, if you're San Francisco and you feel like you don't have as much money to go out and spend, then, you know, maybe you can groom, you know, the next Robbie gold or look, there's a reason they had to go get him in the first place. Like you eventually have to move off of kickers. It's not so often you get a Justin Tucker that you draft and then kind of just take throughout his entire career. And he just so happens to be the best kicker in the league every single season. That's pretty rare. It, they've done this before. I wouldn't be surprised if they have to do it again. Uh, but to me, the the concerns lie more at other free agent spots or spots that they could go out and acquire free agents. And so yeah, I, I think losing gold would be a big deal, Um, but I want to see where they put that money before I judge whether or not I'm mad that Robbie Gold's going to not maybe be on the team next year.
1: Yeah, no, I think I'm with you. The other thing is, oddly enough, Robbie Gold, the last time the 49ers used the franchise tag was on Robbie Gold. Doesn't happen for a kicker all that often. That was the last player the Niners used the franchise tag on Evan one thing I feel very comfortable uh guaranteeing to you, not that Robbie Gold will stay, not that he will leave, but I feel comfortable guaranteeing the Niners will not franchise tag Robbie Gold. Uh, the franchise tag window is up tomorrow or we're recording this Monday. It's up Tuesday as you're listening to this. Um, So we'll know by, you know, again, Tuesday, the, the 7th of March, uh, but he will not be franchise tagged. I, I can promise you that, but I still think it's up in the air if he's going to return to the 49ers or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, the question of whether or not they'll utilize the franchise tag at all this year remains to be seen. The only reason that I would lean no is just because, look, the franchise tag is, is an average salary of you know top players at the positions, and so depending on who you like, you have to maybe overpay oftentimes. I mean, that's why kind of guys will get franchise tagged is because you want their service, but you're not quite sure if you want to give them a long-term deal. First one that comes to mind is Tony Pollard, who received the franchise tag of of just over $10 million for a running back. That might be a lot considering a guy that just had a very bad injury in a playoff game, but the Dallas wants to see. Does Does any player for the 49ers fall under that category to me, I say no of those impending free agents. The only one that maybe I could think of would be a guy like Mike McGlinchy, But the tackle position is going to be quite a bit of money. And I feel like if the 49 were comfortable giving him that dollar amount, they would probably just lock him up for multiple years. Um, so I, I don't know. If you had to throw an over-under on one and a half franchise tags this off season for the 49ers. What would you say?
1: Oh, by far, by far the under, I, I don't think they're going to use it at all. Um, I mean, Mike McGlinchy's franchise tag for a right tackle would be upwards of 18 million. Um, you look at uh, someone like Jimmy Ward. I mean, his franchise tag would be about 14 and a half million. You look is further down the list.
0: Or is he pay as a safety? <laughs>
1: That's that's an important question. I, I, I think, I don't know. Actually, I would how- I would
0: assume he would they would have to pay him as a safety. Although, maybe that's why he's kind of had a bit of a fractured relationship. Maybe uh, throughout maybe. this season is because he felt like they're trying to deflate his value. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, but I, I would say it doesn't get used. And again, the the deadline is essentially up at this point. There can still be news snuck in at the buzzer. Uh, But if they haven't used one up to this point, I don't imagine that they will. And aside from the guys we just listed, I I know Emmanuel Mosley is a a relatively, you know, bigger name free agent. uh, But I don't think they will have an issue signing him straight up as an unrestricted free agent. So I don't think they'd use it on him either. Plus, I'm not sure they'd be comfortable giving him top tier corner money when he's coming off of a major knee injury. So I really don't think it's going to be used. I would be shocked if it does. Um, And and that just means, you know, once that window does pass on Tuesday, the 7th, again, right around the corner here, uh, then you finally can, can start looking towards free agency and how you're going to tackle things because free agency, again, uh, players and teams can start communicating on the 13th, Monday of next week, and they can put pen to paper, make it official on Wednesday of next week. So we're right around the corner, really, from the, you know, the meat of the NFL offseason. This this window of franchise tags is really kind of the first step towards that. But we're getting really close. So there will be news coming down often, early and often, starting pretty soon, and, and the Niners are gearing up for that. But I, I think they will be staying out of this portion of the NFL offseason.
0: Yeah, and I also think franchise tags are usually reserved for relationships between player and franchise that aren't iffy, but there are question marks between both sides. And so maybe that's also kind of a positive reflection of where the 49ers are, the fact that they do have Standing relationships and good ones with all potential players that would fall under that category um you know it to me it's like i i guess if maybe nick, nick bosa wasn't happy in san francisco then you you, you could franchise tag him because he'd be worth obviously paying top dollar yeah. for an extra year but that's a guy who is eventually going to get his contract figured out and loves being in san francisco and the 49ers obviously love him and he's going to get the money that he deserves because he's a fantastic player and has a bright future, probably hall of fame, hopeful career. So yeah, I I think that these sort of franchise tags that we see and a lot of people throw around are more for teams that are one foot in one foot out on a certain player. And luckily it doesn't seem like San Francisco has any of those guys, even though someone like Emmanuel Mosley who's coming off of injury, I guess, hypothetically falls in that category, but um, there's going to be no price tag there for him. So I'm kind of with you. I think it, I think it reflects well in the Niners that they don't have this issue.
1: Yeah. Generally how I understand it is teams use the franchise tag as somewhat of a last resort. This player who we really like and want to keep around is asking for more money than we're comfortable paying him. Let's delay this negotiation. Another year. We'll keep him around for top five money, but it's not going to be number one money. It will be the average and then we'll go from there another 12 months. A couple of players that got franchise tagged on Monday of this week, two running backs, the Cowboys, Tony Pollard, and the Raiders, Josh Jacobs. Tony Pollard wants number one money. He's not going to get it in Dallas because Zeke still has a gigantic contract, and you know, for whatever reason, Jerry Jones is still in love with Zeke, despite the fact that he's obviously on the downturn of his career. Josh Jacobs had, you know, we've heard him voice his frustrations with the Raiders organization. He probably wants to get out of there and, and be paid handsomely. The Raiders don't want to give up on him because he had an incredible season this past year. So you're right. There, there does seem to be, uh, uh, I don't know, a, uh, history of teams using the franchise tag to delay negotiation or just keep a player around for a year longer when they know they aren't really comfortable giving them the money that they deserve. The Niners where they deserve credit, they don't get into these situations. Debo Samuel got his contract extension before the offseason and he became a free agent. If if the Niners didn't give Debo Samuel that extension last offseason Debo Samuel could very well have been a franchise tag this year. If the Niners don't give Nick Bosa an extension this offseason coming up, it generally happens, you know, August around there, he could be a franchise tag option next year. But generally for the players that will be owed big money, the Niners want to keep around, they tend to get that out of the way early. And then they're never in this situation where they have to use a franchise tag which could potentially upset the player as well. So I think that's where they deserve some credit.
0: Yeah. I, I know we got a wrap, but, uh, the, the Debo thing is, is interesting. I, I don't know if Debo, well, Debo Samuel asked for a trade. Like let's, let's, let's as let's a negotiation
1: tactic. Come on.
0: Yeah. I'm sure he wanted to be in San Francisco, but I'm sure if said, nah, we're just going to franchise tag you. I think he might've stuck to his guts a little bit more. Uh, but of course, we'll yeah, never the know. point
1: is they the point is they didn't franchise tag him. They gave him the big money.
0: Yeah, they also said we're not going to trade you.
1: They gave him what he wanted—the money. I what? This is a conversation for a different day. I I think it was all a negotiation tactic from Debo, but but maybe you disagree.
0: I I think I think Debo Samuel would have been open to whatever got him paid the most money, coming off a career year when he'd never had. Uh, well, yeah. Regardless. <laughs> Uh, we move on to the off season and uh, yeah, we'll be talking to you on Thursday. That'll be our next episode. Uh I got some ideas on some free agents that I think the 49ers could pursue oh. could be in their price range um, as well as obviously there's a lot of combine stuff to sift through potential draft targets for the San Francisco 49ers. So a lot to look forward to. Obviously Brock Purdy's news is the best of the week. That will be on Friday it is scheduled for his uh, surgery on his ucl hopefully not a reconstruction but obviously we'll know later on this week and uh, we appreciate you tuning in mark we will talk to you next time man thank you yep sounds good i not looking forward to it already all right take it easy we'll talk to you on thursday you listen to 415ers